Welcome to the Earth Keepers podcast. This podcast is for people who seek new and better ways to love and care for the Earth. It's a podcast for anyone who is deeply concerned about the harm being done to the environment on a local and global level. It's a podcast that builds community and connection between people of like heart and mind, people who believe that Earth care should be integrated into every aspect of life, and for many in the Earth Keepers community, that includes our spiritual practices. In this special episode, we're going to get very practical and focus on five easy lifestyle changes that can help us to live more sustainably. I'll be in conversation with Courtney Christensen, founder of Sparks and Matches, a nonprofit organization committed to inspiring people to be change makers in the realms of social and environmental justice. Our hope is that this episode will help our listeners to see that all of us have countless opportunities in our everyday lives to make simple, doable changes that benefit the health of the planet. Welcome, friends, to the Earth Keepers Podcast. Courtney, it's good to have you back on the podcast again. For those listeners who may not be familiar with your organization, could you tell us a bit about Sparks and Matches? Sure, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here as always. Sparks and Matches is an organization I started to help people make a real impact in their world around them and in the larger world around all of us. So I try to, through writing and speaking and small groups, give people um, actionable ways to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And how does the mission of Sparks and Matches actually connect to issues of sustainability, sustainable living, environmental justice, that sort of thing? Yeah, well, I really believe that one of the most powerful ways that we can make a difference is by sort of flexing the muscle that we have as consumers in our society um, and in even our local economy. It's just a, it's a very underestimated uh, piece of power that we all have. And learning how to use that the best way possible is one of the easiest and one of the most actionable ways that we can make a difference, both locally and globally, in climate change, in local social issues and all of that. Focusing on the climate is so integrated with so many different issues that we're all facing that it's it's a really great way to start, start out with really low barriers to, to entry into these things. Well, I think there are some people who would think, yes, uh, perhaps making changes in our everyday consumption habits, for example, that's a, a, a low-hanging fruit or a low barrier as you describe it. But there will also be people who say, what difference does it really make? I mean, my contribution to the solution to the problem is fairly small. How do people overcome their sense that it just doesn't make a difference? Yeah, you know, I think in issues that are as big as climate change, it's easy to feel that way, to feel like, you know, what's the difference that I can make? I'm just one person. But the truth of the matter is that we're all just one person and that our individual actions do contribute to the change in global systems. And um, especially as consumers, the systems respond to our behavior. So yes, you're just one person, but every purchase you make is tracked. And big corporations that are driving some of these injustices and driving some of the waste practices and things like that respond really quickly to changes in consumer behavior. And so, yes, we're just one person, but we can 
really create ripples within our sphere of influence and within all of our consumer behavior that can make real systemic change. And we can demand that. And we, we, we really do have an under, underestimated power to demand and create change. You continually use the pronoun we, and I think that is something pretty important to point out about Sparks and Matches, that this is not only about empowering individuals to make these choices, but you're actually doing that by promoting communities of people who support each other in those acts. Is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Because we, while we are just one person, we're also all in it together. And I think beginning to think about ourselves as part of a we, as part of a, a greater community, is an important part of driving change. When we're creating systems change, that's only possible really when we do it together. And then as individuals, it's much easier to begin a change and to sustain a change if we're not going it alone. And that's been a really integral part of Sparks and Matches is giving women in particular, I've been focused on on helping women make these changes. And women often in our society feel very alone in trying to make change. And with Sparks and Matches, I've done a lot of um, groups, um, online groups for the last 18 months. And even before COVID, I was doing some online groups. And even just having a space once a week to meet with other women who are committed to making small changes in their own life that can create larger changes in the world around them is very important and very impactful in people's lives to to make those steps, to continue making those steps, and then to create that change. Courtney, in the past, uh, listeners have responded to ideas that you have given us about changes that we can make uh, in our everyday lives. Today you have for us, I understand, a number of things that we can uh, maybe consider as changes uh, incrementally to make. So I'm curious about some of the ideas you have for us. Yeah, um, there's some really easy swaps that we can do in in our everyday lives that um, can then have sort of a snowball effect, like we've talked about, a ripple effect to demand changes from the corporations and the products that they're creating by changing the products that we're buying and the products that we're using. So I have the five easiest eco switches that we can make in our everyday lives today, which I'm excited about because they really are super simple. <laughs> Um, The first one I have is laundry detergent. So laundry detergent is something we all have to use (laughs) and they're swapping it out for something eco-friendly is really simple because you still have to buy something, you still have to use it. And actually one of the products that I've used, uh, which is called Drops Laundry Detergent and um, it's made in the US and it ships plastic free and it comes as a little pod and you just toss it in and it's super easy and it's uh, cost comparable to the stuff that you get in the big box stores. So that's the the number one easiest switch, in my opinion. And I think you have some experience with this as well, right, Forrest? I do. And I guess it's important for us to talk about why switching would make any difference. Like, what is it about the detergent that you've used uh, that, that makes it different? I can talk about the one I've tried, uh, which is from a company called True Earth in Canada, actually. And we, uh, we've been using these little, it basically looks like a paper strip and that substitutes for uh, either a large pod or a liquid detergent or powder detergent. And uh, I have a year's supply that fits into a small, basically six inch long box, uh, which was shipped to me. And so I know that, that in terms of environmental impact, 
what I'm doing is actually not using the plastic bottles that liquid would come in, right? Or I think about the shipping costs uh, of of liquid uh, or even a powder in the large boxes. Um, to sh- save shipping means that we're, you know, actually putting less strain on the environment through, um, you know, the e- exhaust from trucks and planes, et cetera. Yep. So with laundry, it, it it's exactly that. It's the it's the carbon emissions from shipping, the the big heavy uh, liquid laundry detergents and the big heavy powder boxes. And in addition, with the big plastic jugs that you can buy at at some of the big box stores, that's just it's so much plastic. Um, you can't recycle that kind of plastic, generally speaking. And so it's a lot of waste that's created. And in addition, a lot of those laundry detergents have the chemicals in them that can leach into our soil and um, into the environment and are not great for us as humans. And they're not great for the earth or the soil or the animals or anything like that. So uh, usually the eco-friendly laundry alternatives like the strips you're using or the pods I'm suggesting use more natural ingredients in them to clean. And um, in my opinion, I have found that they clean just as well. And I get the, the same results without the toxic chemicals, without the plastic and while reducing my carbon footprint, which is great. So um, that's my number one switch. So what have you got next for us? So my second suggestion is actually an eco-friendly swap for toilet paper, because again, this is something we all use. It's something that often comes double or triple wrapped in plastic. And then it also often is made from new trees. And so it it has a shipping component, it has a a tree component, like a forestry component, and then also plastic. And so there's a couple alternatives that you can purchase here to just do a swap since you have to buy it anyway. Um, And I have a couple different brands that I recommend, but they, and we can put links to them below, but they both provide the same product, but without any of the plastic. And they both use tree alternatives. One of them is, um, uses bamboo, which is grown with much less water. It grows a lot faster. And one of them uses recycled paper and they both ship without any plastic at all which is great. And they also both have created systems where it ships from as locally as possible. So they do a big shipment to these hubs and then it doesn't ship as far to you in that final step. And so they've tried to cut their carbon footprint as well. There's options there that ship both to the US and internationally. So we can put those below. Um, These kind of products also help avoid the, all the COVID shortages that at least I've been experiencing in my area. And because they they ship in like, a, you get two shipments a year or three shipments a year and you have your whole thing and it saves you trips to the store. And I find it to be a win-win-win. The question, of course, people will ask is, what about cost? One of the reasons we say tend to shop at big box stores, for example, is to save money. But this product you're talking about, is it more money actually? It is is slightly more money, but not a huge amount different. It's it's almost cost comparable, where if you bought one of the big packages for one of the big box stores, maybe you'd pay $17 um, or $18 in my location, these big boxes would ship for like 25. Yeah, and I think that it's important maybe to raise that issue that many of us actually prioritize cost savings as the highest priority. When in fact, 
that's probably not the highest priority uh, in terms of our real values. Yeah, you know, I think there there needs to be an update in how we think about pricing and cost in general to consider the cost of the impact that it's having on the world around us. Because there's actually been a growing movement to ask corporations to price their products uh, by including the impact on on the environment. And if we did that, the cost of those products in the big box stores would be comparable or probably even more than these eco-friendly alternatives. And I do want to acknowledge that some people are not able to make these switches if it costs more money. Just Some people just don't have it in their budget. And I don't want there to be guilt or shame around that. Uh, but I think f- for those of us who can afford an extra 8 to $10 for three months worth of product like this, it's a worthwhile investment in both disrupting those those systems that are creating these products with this negative impact um, and demanding something better. So I agree it's a it's a worth worthwhile investment for those of us who can make it. Yeah, absolutely. And so what have you got for us next? Um, so my third one is um, a replacement for paper towels. And this one, I actually get, occasionally get some pushback about this one because um, so many of us are very dependent on paper towels and we have a really hard time imagining not using paper products like this. And this was actually something my husband was very hesitant (laughs) to embrace, but I just, I just went for it. I just stopped buying paper towels and I saw these products online that were these cotton flannel like I think they're called unpapered towels, but I happened to have a sheet set that had just ripped. My kids were playing with it outside, like having a picnic and they had ripped a big hole in it. And I thought, well, that's the same fabric. (laughs) And if I just cut it up, that's the same thing. And so I cut those up and made like 35, like unpapered towels, like these little cotton flannel sheets. And they work perfectly in in as a replacement for paper towels and I just use them and I throw them straight into the washer and then they get washed the next time I run a load and I still have I have one roll of paper towel like hidden under the sink for like really messy stuff that I just don't want to wash but I have found that that will last me like six months now and it was cheap. It's simple. And you can even, because they're flannel, they'll stick to each other. You can wrap them around one of those paper towel dispensers too, and pull them off one at a time, just like a paper towel. And so I found that to be a very, a much simpler switch than I thought. And my family got used to it really quickly. Now you actually took the time to uh, put a hem around them. Is that correct? Like finish off the edges? I did. It it was, um, (laughs) yeah, when we talked about that earlier, that was um, a very unfortunate moment for me because I did take the time to hem every single one of those because I thought they would fray. And then you told me that you made some and didn't hem them and they didn't fray at all. Well, I've since actually examined them more closely and they are certainly fraying (laughs) on the edges. So I think it's my choice was more about not having any idea how to put that edge (laughs) on the the cloths, but I think yours is a good idea. I think they would last longer, right? And they certainly look nicer. They've done really well. They don't look nice for 
long, I will admit that. Um, but that's not the point, right? The, the point is that they they do the job and we make far less trash, which is awesome. And trash, like for the actual paper towels, but then we also avoid the plastic that the paper towel rolls come wrapped in and the carbon footprint of shipping those places. So it's all just that, again, there's layers of impact yeah. to a switch like this. It's not just my own trash. Right. You know, I'm thinking as we're talking, my rags look terrible and they're afraid and shed threads here and there, but they're still very useful. But I thought it would be a really amazing gift if someone wanted to gift me some finished yeah. uh, rags. And so I'm thinking- That's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, you could you could give these as gifts to people who really do want to be changing their their habits to be more sustainable. Is, is create a set of those for people. That's a great idea. And even if you don't have spare sheets around the house, you know, thrift stores often have um, sheets like that that are very affordable. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that idea. Okay, so number four on my list, um, a really easy switch in my opinion as well, and it has to do with our grocery shopping. I think a lot of us have started getting used to bringing our own reusable bags um, instead of getting plastic bags. We have totes that we bring, but we're still left in the produce section, at least using all those plastic bags for our apples or our potatoes or carrots or whatever it is. And because when I'm grocery shopping, I try to always select things that aren't wrapped in plastic already to try to cut, cut that. I have found um, a pack of these lightweight reusable uh, drawstring bags that you can put produce in. And then when you weigh them, they don't add anything to the weight at the end, but you reduce your plastic in the produce section. And these are pretty cool too, because you can also make these uh, if you wanted to out of pretty much any lightweight material, uh, which is so easy. And you could use netting, you could use lightweight cotton, you could use, oh gosh, all sorts of things. I've seen them made out of old t-shirts. There's even some uh, like tutorials online for how to turn an old t-shirt just into a bag just by tying it. It's like a no-sew sort of solution. And I have found that cashiers have no problem with these at grocery stores and checkout and things like that. They It doesn't bother them. Even if they're not see-through, they can just glance inside. And so that's a super easy, easy switch. And then you don't end up with all those unrecyclable plastic produce bags at the end of your grocery shopping. And I try to avoid them anyway. I just put the produce in my my big shopping bag. But I do get looks sometimes yep. from the cashiers because uh, especially if you have things like apples, say, and you're you're like throwing them all loosely onto the, uh, the counter around. to be counted. Yeah. So this is a really great idea. It pulls it all together and makes a, the job of the cashier easier, certainly. Yeah, and I have also done that in a pinch. <laughs> yeah, and I really, really like the idea of making them again, you know, either as gifts or, or for ourselves. I mean, again, I don't probably know the, the basic sewing that it would take, but uh, I can tie a T-shirt into knots, so <laughs> that's something. <laughs> there you go. See? Yeah, it is. There's there's quite a few tutorials out there for people who with no access to a sewing machine or who don't want to sew or don't like to sew or can't sew. <laughs> Anyways, that's another easy switch. And then my last one is a switch um, in the bathroom again for our shower essentials. So instead of buying bottled shampoo and conditioner and soap or body wash, I really like a bar <laughs> that comes unwrapped. And 
body soap is easy to find at any grocery store these days. There's lots of soap that you can find that comes completely unwrapped or wrapped in paper with very little impact on the environment. There's even ones that are made with sustainable palm oil, which is a big environmental issue in soap making. And um, and so you can find those more and more soap that uh, is is plastic-free and made more sustainably than traditional soaps and body washes. And then for shampoo and conditioner, this is growing in popularity, but is still, I feel like, a little bit harder to find. Um, although I can find them, uh, shampoo bars at least, at my local grocery store. Uh, conditioner bars are a little bit harder to find. And I have taken to buying a set of these online. Uh, my favorite company is actually made by friends. They're called Motive. And they come wrapped in like little cloth bags instead of uh, plastic. And they ship plastic free as well. And one of my favorite features is that these bars come in different shapes. So the shampoo is shaped differently than the conditioner, which is nice because so many bars aren't that way and they are easy to confuse in the shower. And I found that this condition, the mode of conditioner bar actually works just as well as a bottled conditioner, which is difficult to find in a bar. And we'll put the link to this one as well. Um, but you can find these locally. You should be able to find these in, in most local like natural grocers if you have one in your area. Or you could ask if, if you know any local soap makers, these can be made in the same similar way and could be a cool, cool new thing for them to try as well. So that's my last easy swap. Um, and these last forever, as a note. There are four of us in my family and my kids have long hair and a bar like this will last us three months with the four of us. Amazing, amazing. And it works just as well as far as you're concerned. Works just as well. And when you break down the cost, because I only have to buy them, you know, three, four times a year, um, the cost is very comparable. So we have been talking about things in part that can be made, but also ordered. Do you think that the availability of these things is the same from country to country? We do have... Uh, folks in the community who may not have access to companies in the States or Canada, for example? You know, I can't speak to everywhere. I do know that some of these things can be found in many countries. And that's why I, I did want to bring things here that could be made for, for people who don't have access to these kind of products where they are. But one thing to consider is that if you have a store that you frequent and they don't carry these options, you can always ask for them to order them and, and ask the manager to, to carry them. And that's something that I've done in my own community for years. And it does take like <laughs> a little bit of guts to like approach the manager and be like, hey, I'd really love it if you carried shampoo and conditioner bars. But as business owners, they are looking for that kind of feedback. They want to know what their customers will buy. And by asking these things, we will will make them more prevalent in our communities and make them more available to other people who might be looking for them, but haven't asked. And so that is one thing because a lot of these companies do ship internationally, but some of them don't. And so making your own or requesting your shop to get it in are all good options to kind of help push us in the right direction as a global community. And speaking of community, I would imagine that if you were to, say, present a request to a local store to order a product, but you had a letter that was signed by a dozen, maybe 20 people, 
that would have more power persuasively. And I think it would perhaps make it less of a risk for the the store to order those things because they know that they probably have some people who would absolutely buy the product they're ordering. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great idea. I love that idea. I do know like, um, so my family and I spent some time in Panama uh, this year. And when we were down there, this, the little grocery that we went to in the closest little town, a bunch of people in the community where we had lived had asked the manager of the store to order some of the products that they really uh, needed. And she was happy to oblige. And there was all sorts of things that this community then supported her and bought those things from her. And as a collective, they were able to request it and then follow up and make sure that that investment by that store manager was worth it for her. So I have seen these things work, which is great. I love that idea. Yeah. You used the word investment just now. It crosses my mind that some of these products, because they're fairly simple to make from available materials, could also be even the basis of a small community business or a social enterprise to start up something to actually create these or to help uh, local community members to start a business. There are plenty of people, I think, uh, who would find that really appealing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea too. That's a great idea. Especially some of these easy ones like the paper towels and the produce bags. Um, Just super easy to do. Yeah. Well, we uh, solicited folks for questions that they might have uh, to bring to you. So I do have a few. And uh, this is from Anne Elise. And she writes, is there a way to compost my scrap food while living in an apartment? How does she meet that challenge? I love that she cares. Um, and composting can be a challenge, but food waste is such a huge contributor to uh, greenhouse gas emissions and thus climate change. And there are ways to do this. So I have seen um, a rise in countertop compost machines, but also just depending on what where she's at and what neighborhood she's in, there could be other options as well. So some neighborhoods have like green bins for yard waste. And a lot of them will let you put food waste into the yard waste bin. And if her apartment complex doesn't have one of those already, you had suggested at one point that maybe all the apartment, uh, all the people living in the apartment complex go in together and pay for the monthly fee for that yard waste bin. And then they can all compost together, which is great because it's not just her, it's all of her neighbors as well. And it makes it more communal and it makes it a bigger effort. Again, she won't be alone, right? I know that people uh, have tried uh, worm bins, but worm bins essentially are these kind of layered boxes uh, that you put the compost into and the worms compost it by eating it and processing it more naturally. And then you end up with both a liquid and a solid fertilizer, which is really helpful for plants. Um, It can take up a bit of space and they really ought to be probably outside. (laughs) So you have to have some outdoor space because uh, if it gets too warm, it wouldn't be healthy for the worms and that process might not happen. But since we've talked about that, I've also been talking to neighbors who have uh, really arranged with their uh, local community garden to actually bring the waste to a compost pile that the people there established, which I thought was a great idea. In fact, they didn't have a communal compost pile until my neighbors approached them. They lived in an apartment. They didn't have a place for their waste, but they just started to collect that then uh, in a bin, which they kept uh, just outside their door. But you can keep that in an apartment, certainly. 
Uh, and then about once a week, they take it to the compost pile uh, and help the garden that way. So multiple solutions here. They all take a little bit of effort, but I think totally worth it. When I, I started putting my food waste in my yard waste bin, I found that I also made way less trash. Like I had to take my trash out less because your trash doesn't start to smell and it doesn't fill up as quickly. And so you can leave it for a lot longer. And we cut our trash bag waste down quite a bit. Well, here's another question uh, from Linda Van Voorst. She asks, are paper plates really worse for the environment than doing dishes in the dishwasher? This is a good question because I think we've all wondered this at one point or another about things. And so I had to give this some thought. But I think when you when you consider that a paper plate is more than just the waste of that single paper plate and you add up its whole life and the waste that went into creating it, into shipping it, into packaging it, into shipping it again, all of these things add up to a much greater footprint than washing a dish in a dishwasher, which most dishwashers these days are extremely water efficient. And um, I had read something about, I had to buy a new dishwasher like three, four years ago. And one of the little tidbits in it about its energy efficiency was that um, with only eight dishes, it was still more efficient to run the dishwasher than to wash those eight dishes by hand. So they're super water efficient, doesn't create any waste. There's no real carbon footprint of, you know, after the initial one of of buying the plate. So I don't know. Do you see it differently? Well, not differently, but I, I, I sort of have a different motivation. There are times, maybe a couple of times a month where I have a lot of people over and I get the motivation to buy paper plates. It's it's a lot of work to do a lot of dishes. And it also assumes you have enough dishes uh, for that many people. Let's say it's a, a group of 20 people coming or a family gathering. Sometimes it's it just uh, doesn't make sense, I guess, to to think about using dishes or borrowing dishes if you can do it so much more easily with paper plates. But I thought about that and realized that for me, the big barrier was in fact the fact that I didn't have enough dishes, but I actually didn't want people using my everyday dishes because we were often outside and roaming around the the backyard and uh, I lost a few dishes that way. (laughs) So I ended up uh, going to Goodwill actually, which is our local thrift store and finding these amazing deals uh, on on plates and, and cups and saucers, et cetera. But uh, gradually over time, uh, watch for things going on sale, kind of mixed and matched, but stuck to a basic color palette. And uh, I've collected this uh, bin really of of dishes for parties that we mostly use uh, for outdoor events, but I have plenty of dishes for all. And if someone breaks one, it does not matter. It probably cost me 25 cents. That's fantastic. I've I've done something similar because we host a lot as well. And and so I, I have this whole stack that I keep in a back closet. <laughs> and I do the same thing with wine glasses because I've broken so many of them <laughs> over the year. And now when someone breaks one, it's like not not a big deal at all. It's like, well, it was 50 cents and then they don't feel bad. <laughs> and I will tell you that I switched over to buying again from thrift stores, wine glasses that were stemless, the sort of goblets that just sit on the table because those are so much less breakable. 
One other thing about um, using real plates versus paper plates, especially when you have large gatherings. I don't know if you've found this, Forrest, but I've found that when I do this, people ask me about it mm-hmm. every time. Like, oh my gosh, you're using real plates. Oh, why, why would you do that? And isn't that so many dishes? And it really is a question because disposable flatware has become the norm for gatherings like this. And so it is an opportunity as well to kind of normalize this other way of doing things, of saying, oh, you know, I just, I like this better. It's a better experience. And then I don't create waste. And I just throw them all in the dishwasher afterwards. And it takes the same amount of time. Like, it's really not a big deal. And it's become something that, at least in some of my circles, I've noticed other people have started doing the same thing, um, which is just so encouraging to me to to kind of see these norms changing a little bit. So it's an opportunity not only to create less waste in your life, but to normalize a more eco-conscious choice in these types of cultural settings. Yeah, I agree with you. I think oftentimes people do need to see it modeled, right? They need to see how little difference it really makes, you know, in, in the things that they're worried about, how much difference it could make in terms of, of earth care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have another question uh, by Kellen Sue, and she writes, we aren't ready to go meatless, but I hate the waste from the meat section, the foam trade things and the plastic wrap that comes with chicken thighs, for example, or ground beef. What to do about that? She says. Yeah. So I like this one because it's so specific and so practical. And I know that in different countries, there are different experiences for buying meat. But in general, buying meat can be pretty waste heavy. And so in my local grocery store where I live, uh, it's like what Kellen describes. It's foam trays. It's wrapped in plastic. If you buy it over the counter, they will use like butcher paper, but they put it in plastic first and then wrap it in butcher paper. So it still creates quite a bit of plastic waste. And so one of the ways that I've gotten around this was, again, by talking to the the people who work there and just asking if they would be open to do it, doing it differently. And so I asked them I, I, if I could bring my own glass containers and if they could weigh that and then add the meat and use my lid and put the sticker on top of the, the lid of my glass Tupperware type dish. And they were like, oh, yeah, no problem. And in doing that, it's now a waste free way to buy meat, which is great. And I think most places would probably be open to that if you asked, because it's all the same of like weighing the the container that it's going to be put in and then adding the meat and then charging you for the for the weight. So I think that's an easy way. You just have to like get up the gumption to ask. And that can feel really weird. But I think once it's done, again, it starts to change norms. It starts to let the store know that this is a concern of people's and maybe they'll come up with solutions or maybe it will be just become more normalized to do things this way. You know, I suppose, too, that there will be managers or or people in the meat department who will say no. Perhaps they have concerns that they're coming up against perhaps health regulations and such. But we can also vote with our feet. We can find a local butcher nearby. You know, we can go to the meat department of another store. So there is that consumer power as well. Yeah, absolutely. And there's I feel like in the States, I I know this is 
very normal in other parts of the world to have butcher shops and meat shops that are specialty and sell local meat and stuff like that. But I feel like this is a rising trend again in the States where uh, local butcher shops and local meat shops are popping up more and more. So that would be something to, to consider asking or doing some research, some digging into your area. And, and I love it that these are, are actually so doable. I mean, no matter where you are in the world, some of these solutions are going to work. Some of them have to do with, with creative thinking. Uh, some of them have to do with mobilizing community. But I don't think these are really out of the reach of your average person in terms of choices to make. I think that um, starting small is the only way to start. Uh, it's the only sustainable way to start. And so I really encourage everyone to make these small changes, like whichever one feels the most accessible, um, you know, just start there and then see where you go from there. And I think you'll find once you do one, the next one's a lot easier. We've been discussing practical earthkeeping with Courtney Christensen of Sparks and Matches. For a list of the ideas presented in this podcast and for links to online resources and product information, please check out our show notes on the Earthkeepers podcast at circlewood.online forward slash earthkeepers. There you'll find many options for making simple lifestyle changes. Now for some that might feel a bit overwhelming to see so many possible actions to take. We think the best approach to becoming better earthkeepers is an incremental one. For that reason, we encourage you to choose just one of these life hacks for greener living and to put it into practice starting this week. If you're interested in being part of a drawing for a free copy of Ray Simpson's book, Brendan's Return Voyage, tell us about the change you made and how it has impacted your thinking about everyday earth care. All you need to do is go to the Earthkeepers podcast website and use the voice message app to tell us about the lifestyle change that you opted to make. The winners of the drawing will be announced in the next podcast episode. Finally, if you appreciate this podcast and want to help us expand its global reach, please show your support by subscribing. Just go to whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and hit the subscribe or follow button for the Earthkeepers podcast. Earthkeepers podcast explores ways in which we can change ourselves, our communities, and our cultures to help us to care for the earth in holistic and regenerative ways. Through curated conversations, we highlight the wisdom of thought leaders and change agents who are making a difference and showing us a way forward. When earthkeepers stand together, they amplify the impact of their resistance against environmental injustice and multiply their efforts for renewal and restoration. I am Forrest Inslee, your podcast host. Our executive producer is James Amidon. Our producer is Dave Olfers. Forrest Reed is our editor and the creator of our original music. Our research assistant is Rochelle Nordman, and Jessalyn Megerly is our social media director. Thank you, friends, for listening, and please join us next time on the Earthkeepers podcast. <laughs>